What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the In The Round podcast. You're hanging out with your boy, Matt Burrill, and I got a special cool guest co-host, my buddy, Wales. Uh, Wales Tony, Whaletail Media CEO, founder, creator. He's joining us today. Whaletail, how we doing, buddy? I'm doing great, man. It's good to be behind a mic talking to the Matt Burrill, man. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a good feeling. I ain't shit, man, but um, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of, uh, of what you do, man, and uh, appreciate you... Um, working with us and we got a really cool thing going down tomorrow night at live oak music row um the second annual whale right. tail takeover buddy dude last year we we, we kind of threw it together before i was even living in nashville which is is crazy to see that this is kind of all come together in one year but we threw together a whale tail takeover kind of sort of thing last year and was a huge hit so you know i i was i reached out to you or talked to you again and i was like dude we got we got to run it back do a second annual and we're coming back this year, you know, bigger and even better. Yeah, man. And it's all the friends and family. And that's what's so cool is like, so a little backstory. Um, I met, I met you, Wales, um, being, uh, being out on the road, obviously with Gary and Charlie and, um, and all that. And it was, uh, it was awesome getting to know you, getting to know you then. And then um, we just kind of found ourselves working together and you wanting to come to town and be involved in the, in the scene. And I had a, I had a round going and since you've come aboard the rounds gone gone a lot better obvious content man content it's been freaking killer and it's been a lot of fun but what's really cool about the whale tail takeovers is our friend groups are very, we're, we're pretty much hanging like the same circle yeah it's totally man. and that's the cool thing about um nashville in general too is that like everyone's connected and you know everyone gets along and, and, and can kind of do these cool things together and um it's just cool to see you know you doing your thing and like how i can contribute with in the round and um, it's just a great thing going, and I'm, I'm pumped to be a part of it. Yeah, and I've even gotten to be an actor in some of your content, which is really funny. It's Dude, not even an actor, stuff. a great actor <laughs> with millions of views. Right? Millions yeah. of people have seen you act and Jeez. crush it. So. Yeah, it's, it's crazy, man. It's crazy. But today we got to have a pretty cool conversation with a guy that we both we both have gotten to know. Um, when did you first meet Jordan? Um, I first met Jordan... Probably at like a tin roof revival before I even moved to town. Just I, I actually found out about Jordan. I heard of him when he had a song, and he had a Chipper Jones reference. And I was, you know, coming from the south, like his Braves baseball is one huge. Of, one of the good ones, as he calls it. At, he one calls of the it, good ones. He calls it the Chipper Jones song. Oh, the Chipper <laughs> Jones song. So I said, oh, I'm automatically a fan. I think I even said that to him when I met him. I said, dude, I love your song with Chipper Jones. He said, man, nice to meet you. I'm, I'm Jordan. So. Class act, he's, he's an awesome dude. Yeah, dude, he's a great guy. He's a guy that um, has been in town for a while, a guy that's come up and done a lot in uh, in country music. I mean, you you think about his, his connection. We talk about four-wheel drive, what he was doing with, with Langston, another another buddy, uh, Travis Denning, Cole Taylor, um, coming up in the scene in, in an area of Georgia with got, where guys like Brantley Gilbrook, um, Corey Smith, and uh, Colt Ford kind of paved the way, that like Athens area. Right. And um, and what he's been, how he got through 2020, the, the sad boy country stuff. Like, it was a really cool interview and i can't wait for the music that he has coming bro dude he's such a knowledgeable person and he, he even says like he doesn't consider himself a veteran in nashville but outside looking in man he's doing it like he, he's been a veteran he's he has so much to talk about and it's cool that we were able to dive into a lot of those um you know thoughts and insights he has to offer yeah absolutely um big fan and uh 
We'll have this conversation for you guys here in a second. Got to talk about the sponsors, one of them being Whaletail Media. So make sure you check them out um, on the socials. It's Whaletail Media. Is it Whaletail Media Co. or it's just Whaletail Media? Yeah, on Media? Instagram, Whaletail Media Co., uh, Twitter, Whaletail Media. Don't really tweet too much. Probably should do more of that. But <laughs> Instagram is kind of where we put a lot of stuff out, even – you know, and a lot of times, you know, we'll promote it through there and then check out all the guys are working with on their YouTube channels for the full videos. Yeah, absolutely, man. And uh, you had your latest release um, was uh, was the uh, stay at home dad video. Oh, yeah, dude. That was a, a tearjerker, man. And I, I remember hearing that song. It's actually um, Drew Baldridge wrote that song with Tyler Chambers and uh, Dylan Marlowe. Two other guys two, in the Whale Tales. Two family. awesome dudes. Yeah, you'll yeah. see those guys playing uh, tomorrow night at a, a Live Oak. Um, but I heard them playing that song just on an acoustic just like a couple of days after they wrote it. And I, I automatically knew this is a, a special song, really talented guys, obviously. And Drew said he was going to cut it. And he came to me, he said, Hey, we got to do a video for it. And I was, I was pumped that he asked me. And so we did everything we could to try and knock it out of the park and really pumped with how it came together. Yeah, dude, just the story. One of my favorite scenes of it is when, um, it's like young Drew throwing up the, throwing up the ball. And then BZ's right in there. Sam's catching it. Like that that moment of like that. The passing catch. the passing of the torture is it was kinda and that was a shot I that was a shot that like and if you you know anything about video, like those shots you kinda have to go into it knowing that's the shot you want. And yeah. I said, Man, if I could somehow get a, a shot of a ball thrown in the air and when it comes down it's caught by someone else, like that would be a special thing, and luckily it worked out, and we, we nailed the shot. Yeah, you guys make sure to check that one out. Stream Drew's uh, new single, uh, Stay at Home Dad, and um, make sure you watch that video, guys, because it is one of my favorites. Um, I actually texted Wales last night when I, when I saw it after it premiered, and uh, big fan of that. So, oh, Wales Tail Media, check them out. Content, content, content. They are the best. Speaking of the best, Grady Saxman, Saxman Studios, another, another guy that we're both familiar with. Um, they work on a lot of shit in town. They're big supporters of the scene. They've been at it for a while, and Grady's actually building. Um, he's got a new studio um, that's freaking, it's supposed to be sick. And uh, he's another guy that's going to be a part of our takeover tomorrow night. Um, and uh, you guys are going to want to check him out. If you're looking to produce something, or you're looking to get something produced and looking to get music out there, um, definitely have Saxon Studios on your mind. Uh, those boys, Grant. Uh, Saul, um, I mean, the list goes on and on of different players that go through there, but they are they're great, and it feels like home over there, doesn't it? Yeah, dude, it seems like it goes hand in hand. A lot of guys that I work with are working with with Grady and them, and dude, it's just those guys are a class act. They do a great job, and can't speak. Um, you know, even I, I just got nothing but good things to say about those guys. Yes, yeah, so make sure you check them out. Saxman Studios here in Nashville, Tennessee. And last but certainly not least, I got a product pack from them yesterday. And um, they are our friends in the green world. Our boy Andrew and his team at Trailside CBD Emporium or Trailside Wellness Emporium. I think it has to say on Instagram because some people aren't cool with weed yet. But um, it is uh, legal Delta 8 THC CBD products. Uh, we've actually been enjoying a new product that has been moving very, very fast. The Live Free Delta 8 THC Dip. It is pouches um, like you would have of Copenhagen or Grizzly or any of those things. And um, it's Delta 8, so it gives you a nice little, that comfortable high in between the CBD and the Mary Jane. Um, and they got everything. They got, like I talked about, the dip. They got flour. They got dabs. They got... Um, Shit for your dogs. They got CBD oils and tinctures, um, CBD um, pre-rolls, Delta 8 pre-rolls. So check them out, trailsidecbd.com. Use the promo code ITR at checkout, and you save 20% on your order. Or come to one of our rounds, and you can buy it there or sample there. We have a great time with them, and uh, 
big supporters of them and they're big supporters of us. Now, without further ado, we're going to get into it, guys. It's our, our hang with the one, the only, the king of sad boy country, the man who's making country music sad again. It's our boy, Jordan Rager. Y'all enjoy this one. How'd you first meet Ryan Nelson? Ryan Nelson? Um, I'm sure it was at Revival, um, which is how I meet, like, I don't know, probably 90% of the people in Nashville, you know? Like, back when, like, Tin Roof was, like, the place to go hang and meet new folks. You'd walk in, see who was sitting on the pew, you know, maybe, like, give them a high five on your way by, and go find a spot to like hang out with your friends, listen to the music or do whatever. I think that's the first time I what, met Ryan. What year would that have been? Like what year was revival? Like the shit, which it's still great. I love what, what Vinny and, and Rob and those guys do. But. Yeah. But I'm talking about like when it first got started. Yeah. Like, like I was one of the first 10 roof Tuesdays. Like, I don't even think they called it revival yet. Like it was just like 10 roof Tuesdays. We're sitting on a pew. It's a cool thing. Come listen, you know? And, um, I mean, it was probably 2014, 15. I moved, I moved to town in 2014, so it was probably between that and 2016, I'd say. Damn. Um, you know, Nashville's a cool place where you just kind of run into people randomly in passing, you know? Like, I, I sometimes have a hard time pinning down, like, you know, when I met people because there's so many interactions that happen so quickly you're there for a second and then you're gone the next and it's you know then then you play the whole like the the game of like where did it was it red door was it losers was it tin roof where did we meet you know like i think it's so crazy like when you like first come to town or first do something in nashville and it was like how do you meet people And they're like oh you just gotta go out you gotta go out you gotta you know just shake hands and i'm just like that's so intimidating like i don't know how i would even fathom that but then you do it a few times and next thing you know it's like man i feel like i know so many people in nashville and it's cool like the whole culture is truly built on just networking and just shaking hands and next thing you know you get a whole crew and everyone's connected you know and it's networking of going to bars like just hanging with your friends and then working with your friends because that's who you're writing songs with like how 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 many times early on were you getting the hey we should write sometime never you were never getting that? I was the one doing the, hey, oh, we should write some time. Really? Like, yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so I moved to town, like I said, 2014. I was I was not even 20 years old yet. Uh, I wasn't old enough to go to any of these shows. Like, you know, the, the big things in Nashville are Whiskey Jam and Tin Roof, and, and now, you know, Ray's Rowdy's got their thing going on. But, like, pretty much all of those are 21 up. So when I showed up to town, I wasn't old enough to get into Whiskey Jam was the big one especially. Yeah. Like, that was where you wanted to be to you know see and be seen and um, meet new people and so I hope I'm not going to get Ward in trouble for saying this but like I got to know him and Josh the other guy that was running it with him at the time and I just basically convinced them I was like I'm not here to cause trouble I don't give a shit if I drink a single thing tonight I just want to hang out where everybody's hanging out I just want to get to know people I just want people to get to know me I'm new in town just giving them the rundown. And um, eventually, they finally, like, I gained their trust. And, I mean, I meant it. Like, I, I wasn't in, I didn't come to Nashville to get drunk every weekend and, you know, fuck off. Like, I'm working. Like, this is my job. This is my livelihood. This is everything that I've ever wanted to do, you know. And I think they saw that. And so, they were able to 
you know, kind of trust me to be behave myself, you know, in those in those scenarios. Yeah. When was the first time you played whiskey jam? Because you've had to have played it at least a few times by now. Oh God, I don't even know how many times I played it at this point. <laughs> um, I think the first time I would have played it probably would have been in that first year I moved to town, 2014. Um, I I had nothing going on. I was on the road with Justin Moore at the time. That was my big claim to fame, um, which is actually the thing that led me to moving to Nashville. But, you know, I had written like a handful of songs that I liked with my buddies, Denning and Langston and Cole Taylor and Farron Rachels and, and folks like that. But didn't really have much to go off of that first year in Nashville. Your first your first year in Nashville is going to be you figuring a lot of things out. You know, you're going to learn the people you like hanging out with. You're going to learn the people you don't like hanging out with. Uh, you're going to write some of your favorite things. If you're a writer, you're going to write some of your favorite things that you do. Uh, and you'll probably also write some of your least favorite things that you do. For me, my first year in Nashville was the highest of highs oh my God, I cannot believe I get to do this for a living. And the lowest of lows, what the hell did I just do to my life? Why am I here right now? And it's intimidating because you're moving into a city where everybody's trying to do what you're doing. You're, you're trying to wedge your way into an industry that doesn't need you. You have to convince the industry that they need you. Yeah, that's that's the truth. I, I've never heard it described that, but that that's very much the truth, man. That's That's pretty crazy. So... What was so you grew up in Loganville, Georgia? That's right. right. So the the greater Athens area, right? Yeah. So what was that like growing up out there? Because there's a lot of music out there. There's a lot of folks that come to mind. Guys like Colt Ford, Brantley Gilbert, Corey Smith, like just the Georgia as a whole. What was it like coming up in that scene? It was cool, man. Um, you know, I, it, for for Georgia having such a prominent music scene in the you know 2000s and 2010s um I was the only person that I grew up with that like played music really you know? yeah I didn't have like Langston's actually from Loganville as well but we actually didn't get to know each other until I was like almost about to move to Nashville so that almost doesn't like I did I don't even count that one you know and I don't think he was playing he was playing football before he was playing music so he you know he was not he, there he, yet he was a fullback right he was a beast yeah. They like they made him stop playing because he had too many concussions. That's a tough some bitch. Yeah. Like any yeah, love that guy. But um, you know, I um I loved Georgia music growing up. Like I I remember listening to Brantley before anybody knew who Brantley was. I remember listening to Dirt Road Anthem when it was just like this really kind of poorly recorded like work tape sounding thing it was that they, it was probably recorded in a basement or probably something in jefferson yeah absolutely and then same thing with Corey smith stuff dude i listen to, if i hear a Corey smith song now to this day there's like a memory a vivid memory of my childhood my teenage years that will flash right back to me doesn't matter what song it is all of them have one you know um and i just remember thinking growing up i was just like that music would be the coolest job to do for a living i have no earthly idea how you get there but it would be it, that that's that's the dream job for me you know that's that's how i looked at it yeah dude that's freaking freaking awesome and it's funny because i grew up a big brantley gilbert fan in new york i saw him seven times in one year when i used to do college radio and stuff i'd travel all around to see him and um and it's funny because like but i would be i'd only follow these guys from like youtube at that point because 
I mean, like you heard him on the radio and like, but you'd watch concert videos on YouTube and it's like, that's how like I'd find a guy like you. I'd find it's all the other, you kind of all got to get linked in together where mm-hmm. like somebody on the outside that's way up in New York sees who's coming out of Georgia, which is pretty freaking sick. So you talk about John Langston and uh, Cole Taylor and Travis Denning. Y'all, y'all had to have a cool thing. The four wheel drive, how'd that all kind of come to be? And how, how'd you really get to know all those guys? So, Oh man, four wheel drive. What to say about four wheel drive? It's um, it's it's four friends being friends on stage. With it, it, it's 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 us being ourselves with an audience. Basically, is the best way I can describe it. Um, you know, we all came up. Well, all four of us are from Georgia. We all came up at the same time. We all moved to Nashville right around the same time. We were writing our songs together. We were playing our shows together. But it was always like two and two. It'd be like me and Langston or like, you know, me and Cole or Denning and Langston, whatever. And I think it was Bradley Jordan. The, one of the kings the, out there. The yeah, king yeah. of the, the southeast. The, the, the goat. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the guy. <laughs> Shout out to, to Peachtree Tavern, RIP. Um, uh, I think it was Bradley Jordan was the first one to come to us and go like, why don't we put the four of y'all on the same bill? Because it was getting, we were flirting with it so much. We were getting closer and closer. It was like, first it was just two of us, and then there was three of us. And then there was a show where, you know, three of us were playing, but then the fourth one was also there, so he got up on stage and did a song too. So we were flirting with it anyway. And finally Bradley was like, let's just do a Nashville Writers Round type uh, show for you guys. Like... It um and it took off like it started out with us we we played the first one we ever did at Eddie's Attic in Decatur Georgia and same thing I talked about earlier with with Whiskey Jam none of us had anything going on Cole didn't have his number ones Travis didn't have his number one Langston was you know playing shows for big crowds but he wasn't where he is he, now. he was playing like the gin he was playing the circuit back home but he wasn't going out to the rest of the southeast even yet right he he. I, he was very limited on the music that he had put out yet. All of us. And then me, like I had had like a tour under my belt, but that was it. Um, very few of us had ever released music like commercially. Like it was like a, we're doing this for fun kind of thing. Like never in a million years did we think that we would be selling, you know, 600 tickets at the Roxy in Atlanta, you know, last year. Um, but we just kind of started doing it we had fun with it the first time we did it because, like I said, it's just the four of us cutting up, telling stories, singing songs, making jokes, laughing, and having a grand old time with a little bit of alcohol in there. Um, <laughs> just a little bit. Um, and we just kept doing it. And then we it, we noticed that it was growing. And so Bradley was like, let's add you know, a second show. And then that turned into let's add a second night. And then that eventually led to, we have to find a new venue because we can't fit all these people in here anymore. And that was when last year, you know, we took a year off from doing it in 2019 because everybody was, you know, it's really cool to see, but it's also kind of sad to see. It's like, you know, everybody's in different directions. We're taking off and we're doing like really cool things, but we just didn't have time to get to the show that year. So we take a year off. 2020 happens. Um, have you guys heard about 2020? It was a, it was a whole thing. <laughs> yeah, what's that? Yeah, it was a whole thing we went through. Yeah. Um, shows get canceled and schedules start to free up. And I'm starting to do the math about like, you know, 
you know, at the, at the time, Georgia was, like, starting to get a little more lenient about, like, live, you know, shows and stuff. And so I reached out to Bradley, and I just said, like, do you think we could make this happen if we tried? Like, do you think a four-wheel drive show is possible in 2020? And he was like, well, first things first, we got to find out if everybody's on board. So I just group texted the four of us, me, Cole, Travis, and John, and I just said, would you guys even be interested in doing this? And all, four, all three of them were like, hell yes, just say when. And I went back to Bradley and it relayed the message. And literally within like the next three days, the show was announced. So that's how much we love doing it. That's how bad we needed to do it last year. And, you know, people tell me all the time, like, how much they love those shows and how much they look forward to those shows. I don't think people realize how much we look forward to those shows. Yeah. Like, especially last year, like, that was, that saved my year, you know? Like, 2020 sucked. Like, there was a lot of bad, obviously, won't go into that, but, you know, to end the year on such a high note like that was, like, the coolest thing in the world because that's genuinely, and I think any of the other three guys would tell you this too, that's my favorite show that I play all year is the four-wheel draft stuff. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, you're cutting it up with your buddies, man, and you get to take the the writer's round concept, which is something that you don't see really outside of Nashville, but that's another thing about the Southeast and Wales. You see it in Carolina, like Georgia, Carolina, um, Alabama, Mississippi. The appreciation for music and songwriting in the South is something that's really, really cool. Like, did you ever take the four-wheel drive show? Was it ever like a tour, or was it just the one show a year, or did it get toyed with, or what? For a very short amount of time, it was a tour. <laughs> uh, we only made it to Alabama, and I think we played, let's see, we did, we did one weekend where we did like Zydeco, in Birmingham, and then there was another weekend where we did, you, you said the gin and Blue Water and all that. Yep. We did that whole run. Oh, Valdosta. Jesus Christ, <laughs> dude. Like, the fact that we made it back to Nashville in one piece is, some of the stories need to remain untold, but let's just say we had a time. Yeah. Uh, I think we decided after, we tried two different, two separate occasions to do a four-wheel drive tour. In our old stomping grounds, Zadico, the Gin, you know, Blue Water, and Ned, places Ned, like the Capitol Theater, Ned, Ned Kelly's. Yep, yep, yeah, places like that. Rome, and we were all on board with the idea until we did that first weekend, and we realized that it was just a drinking contest with some country songs sprinkled in there every now and then. <laughs> and we were like, maybe this is just better if we just stick to the one show, you know? Yeah. And don't get me wrong, we had a blast doing it, and maybe one day we get to do it because I would. Um, I would really like to bring that show to other places. Yeah. That's a thing that I see on, like, every time I post about the four-wheel drive shows, people ask me, like, when are y'all coming to this place and when are y'all coming to that place and I wish you would do four-wheel drive on the West Coast or up north or whatever. Yeah. I would love to do that one day. Um, I think it's just a matter of finding the, the right time to do it. Yeah, because everybody's got shit going on. And and as as everybody gets older, like life happens. You, you you're not twenty something, not young twenty somethings doing it anymore. You're you're adulting. Yeah, which that's that's crazy too. Is it weird to look back now to be like to remember being in Nashville at such a young age and now to be twenty seven and like does your does the mindset change a lot or is it weird kind of looking back? You feel like like just like a veteran in town kind of thing. I definitely don't feel like a veteran, even though I'm learning slowly that some people consider me to be. Um, which is a weird role for me to, to, yeah. to adjust to because I, I 
man, I, I was, like I said, I was 20 when I moved to town. I knew nobody other than my handful of friends that I wrote with every now and then. I don't assume, I assume nobody knows me in every room I walk in because I'm just a guy that likes singing and writing songs, you know, like that's, that's all I've ever been. That's all I've ever wanted to be. Um, you know, I love being on stage and I love performing for people, but like the idea of being a superstar sometimes can be a little daunting. And I don't think that's something that I considered when I first moved to Nashville. Um, I feel like I've lived two different lifetimes since moving to Nashville. I've been here for seven and a half years now. And there's minute there's, there's times where it feels like I've been here seven minutes and it, there's other times that I feel like I've been here 700 years. Um, like I go back to my hometown and I'm like, I know I lived here. I know I'm from here. I have memories from here, but it feels so detached from the person I am now. Bro, I feel that I've only been here th- like not even three years yet. I feel that going up to New York. I was it's, just back home. I felt the same thing. It's weird. It's like it's like I know this is like a part of my life, but it with it feels so long ago that it doesn't even feel like the same life. Do you think that's? Do you think you would feel that way if you were in another place besides Nashville? Do you think it has to do with just the way Nashville is? We're in like a bubble. Like what goes on here? Like we, which is what I kind of liked about 2020. I didn't realize all the bullshit that was going on because I was in my little music bubble, you know. And I think a lot of us, a lot of us were in our, we're in like our music bubbles, you know. I think so. I mean, I, it's it's very easy to just submerge yourself in work here, um, you know. I I have a hard time unplugging when I'm in Nashville. Like, you know, even if I, I'm just, like, sitting on my couch watching TV or whatever, it's like my – there's something in my brain that, that tells the rest of my body, like, you're in Nashville, you need to be working on something. Like, I don't sit still very well. You've probably noticed me f- fidgeting over here the entire time. Um, like – when I, 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 I decompress the most, I relax the most, I, I can like, you know, kind of just lay back and breathe a little bit when I'm, when I get out of Nashville. So yeah, I think it's, I think it's partly just like, you don't come up for air as much when you're here because you're just, you're on the grind all the time, you know? And that was the thing that I got told when I first moved to Nashville was like, man, you let your foot off the gas and you may slip and lose a couple spots in the race, you know, which it's not a race. There's room for everybody, but you know what I mean? Like you don't want to slow down because you never know when you might, you know, you know, opportunity go past you or somebody, you know, take something that might've been yours or whatever, you know, might happen. Yeah. Did you ever feel like it was a race early on? Like, cause as Nashville's mindset changed, like has Nashville, cause I know, I know there's new buildings where there's, there's shit since even you've been here, Wales, that's freaking popped up. Like yeah, it's crazy. It's like, and like, it's cool. Like hearing Jordan like say that because it's like, you know, you don't feel like it's a race, and you don't, you don't feel like you know, maybe that's the case. But every day, it's like if you're not doing something to get better or, or to connect or to to grow, you're getting left behind. And like, that's the cool thing about being a the good and bad thing about being an entrepreneur and a creative is that no one's gonna tell you to get to work, and no one's gonna tell you to not work. So it's like you have to kind of find that happy balance, happy medium sometimes to know, hey, I need to maybe kind of decompress or maybe I need to turn it on. Yeah. And, you know, when you can find that that groove and know, hey, I'm here in Nashville, I'm ready to work, that's when you can kind of get get the ball rolling, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Like, has the mindset of, like, like how the music industry is changed a lot in seven years? I feel like it has. 
um, when I first moved to town, I didn't feel like it was a race. I didn't feel competition. I didn't feel – well, I okay, I won't say that. I felt competition, but it was like the friendly, healthy kind of competition between friends. You know, like me and Langston would like write – there was a point actually – this is actually uh, – this will be a great example. So like I used to be – there used to be this like really big group thread, and it had like seven or eight different people on it, and it was me, Langston – Denning, Cole Taylor, you know, Fair, and a bunch of bunch of people. Thomas Archer was on it. A bunch of people, and all we would do in that group text is just at the end of the day, send each other the songs that we wrote that day, and everybody would just like love on everybody about like, man, that's so cool. Like, love that song, or like, oh man, I wrote this. What do you think about that? And it was kind of like a, um, I guess like a like a just a, a a testing ground to see like you know what your friends thought and like it was always positive and it was always super cool um and I really enjoyed doing that and then we you know naturally you fall out of doing certain things like that just because you get busy and you know there there was there's I, I feel like you 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 I don't know at what point it changed I don't know when it became a race but I do and I've noticed it more and more in the last year or two I don't know if the pandemic had something to do with it or not but and I'm trying to be very careful not to like step on anybody's toes but I do feel like there is a new generation coming through Nashville that like does consider it a race they do consider it a competition they consider it like if I'm not doing something 100% of the time I am going to get past you think social media has something to do with that absolutely in- instagram 100 twitter tiktok all that shit was i mean it was some of it was there like fine was there things like that were there when, when when you and those guys were coming up but now it's like instagram i look when i like i'll be honest i'll look at people's instagram numbers for for rounds and like to see what it's so easy to compare you know yeah like, it's and it's kind of messed up that it's that way but that's just what it is it's messed up that it's that it's the the be all end all like, yeah. there's nothing wrong with social media being a tool for artists to get their product out to people. I, I use every single one of the social sites that you just we, named. Whiskey Wednesday. I mean, I'm, yeah, I do the, thanks, man. Uh, I do the, the live streams every Wednesday on my Instagram. Um, I do the stupid-ass TikTok videos that I talk shit about for the longest time, and now I love doing them. <laughs> um, I talk shit about sports on Twitter. I, I don't really post on Facebook that much, but that's because it's like, I feel like Facebook's like the new MySpace. Like, nobody's on it anymore. But, you know? But, but you used to do a lot on Facebook. Facebook back in the day was such a big thing. Yeah, I mean, it was. Um, well, it was when it was the the top thing. That was where you would post like your you know your your videos of like the new song you wrote, or you know like hey, here's a live, you know here's some live footage from a show that I just played last weekend or whatever. And and for me, that's how I've always looked at social media. Is like I don't pay attention to the comment section too much I think that's like probably one of the worst things for an artist or anybody that's trying to put content out there is like paying way too much attention to the comment section fuck the comment section yeah do what you love create something that matters to you and there will be people out there that connect with it the way that you connect with it yeah you know and the people that get in the comments and want to talk shit about it and be like you know oh well you know this sucks or that sucks or you should have done it this way or you should have done it that way or this whatever it's like don't those people don't matter yeah haters yeah those people don't matter it's it's because they're just mad at you for doing something that they couldn't do themselves it's 
you know, it, social media is such a great tool. I mean, I literally wouldn't be sitting here right now if it wasn't for it because of what last year was. I didn't play. I played. I can literally count on one hand how many shows I played last year. The only reason that I was able to continue to build my, you know, call it a brand, call it a career, call it whatever you need to call it. Um, the only reason that I'm still sitting here making music is because I was able to, you know, figure out how to keep giving people stuff on social media because I couldn't give it to them on the road, live shows like I usually would be able to do. Um, but yeah, I think social media, like, definitely, it, it's a, it's partially to blame for this, um, I guess, like, they call it, like, hustle culture uh, in Nashville these yeah. days. These people that, like, are just doing something 100% of the time, which, good for you. I'm not trying to say that you shouldn't be, but, like, be, there's there's being busy and there's being the right kind of busy. And when you're just busy all the time, you end up missing things. You you may end up missing opportunities that, you know, you would have gotten had you had just, like, stopped, looked around, like, assessed the situation. You, you lose living in the moment. Well, there's that, too. Yeah, which is a big, which is a big thing. Like You know, and that was a thing that I, I really learned a lot about myself last year was, you know, when, when my day job gets taken away from me, which is something I never thought was going to happen, you know, when, when I find out I can't play shows anymore for the foreseeable future, I'm like, okay, well then what am I going to do now? And I went into writing songs and I went into enjoying time with my, I've got a great girl that, you know, I love hanging out with. And I think I kind of got very caught up in the grind of what we do for a living, uh, and paying a little more attention to that. So I kind of took some time to like, you know, like we took a couple of trips last year where it was just me and her. And we we're just traveling and hanging out. And then we ended up getting a house together and we ended up getting a dog together. And like, that's when, you know, it's serious. That, that's, that's the serious. Yeah. Those are, that's, those are the relationship stages nowadays, people. Um, but for me, that was living like that was, I, I, I looked at, I looked at last year and I went, okay, so I love my job. I absolutely love what I do for a living. I wouldn't want to be doing anything else, but I can't do that to my full capability right now through no fault or power of my own. So I can do one of two things. I can sit around and pout about it and just bitch until it comes back. And then, you know, it's just a bunch of wasted time. Or I can work on the things that I can work on myself and in the meantime when I don't have something to work on I'm gonna go enjoy my life I'm gonna go kiss my lady I'm gonna go hug my dog I'm gonna go take a trip I'm gonna go take a walk I'm gonna go drink a beer I'm gonna like do whatever like this this business the music industry is so much fucking fun it's a dream job it will also kill you from the inside out absolutely. if you let it. Absolutely. You have to learn to stop and smell the roses every now and then. You have to be able to step back and enjoy what you create. And you have to... I think that's how you get appreciation for it. Like That's it, how you don't get burned out, too. It's all, Yeah, exactly. You know, one of the um, when I first moved to town, like I said, January 2014, I signed a publishing deal, and I found out that you can get paid to write songs. To me, that was like the sweetest gig of all time. It still is. I wrote so much in the first six months that I was in Nashville. Actually, not even six months. I, it was four months because it was April 25th. I called my publisher... This is four months into my first year in Nashville. I 
called her and I said, I need everything on my books wiped for two weeks. I'm going to go back to Georgia and fish for a couple of days and hang out with my friends because I'm fried. Like, I was writing three and four times a day, playing every round that I could get my hands on, um, you know, writing with new people when I wasn't, I was never home. Do you, do you lose inspiration and lose ideas from that? Like you just taking that break. Does that help you kind of refresh ideas? I'm not, we're not writers, so I don't know. But like when you're writing three, four times a day and it's just a grind and you don't get to live. Cause that's where the songs come from, right? It's yeah. from living and having experiences. You will, you will run yourself dry. Uh, your brain is a muscle. If you know, they always say like, you know, if if you work out, if you if you work, if all you do is think all the time, eventually your brain will get so tired to the point that you cannot think anymore. Same thing with like if you just do, you know, bicep curls and never stop. Eventually, you won't be able to pick your arm up, and you'll just have to stop and let it rest and recover, and then you can keep doing bicep curls. Writing songs is the same way. It's just because you write more songs than somebody else doesn't mean that you stand a better chance of getting something cut or heard or recorded or released or anything like that. That was the thought process I had. My thought process when I first moved to town was always be seen 100% of the time, always be working. I'm going to outwork everybody else. I had that hustle mentality. And it, it I'm not saying that you can't have that, but you have to be able to like like I said, stop, smell the roses, enjoy something for a minute. Write a song that really means something to you, that you really care about, and then don't write anything else that day. Let that day belong to that song. You know, like, and then, like, enjoy it. Come back to that song in a couple of weeks and listen to it and, like, see if it's still cool. And if you hear something that you want to change, that's okay, too. Um, You know, don't play every writer's round that you... Well, I mean, like play writers' rounds, but like, like you can basically like you can oversaturate yourself. You can you can burn yourself out, and I was doing that a ton, you know. So, I guess that's the thing that you know. This industry is so much fun, man. I love doing it, but but you have to be careful to not let it take over like everything that you're doing. Because like 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 Will said, you will burn out. 100%. It's the whole thing. It's like. You know, you learn to a, a point, it's not about the quantity, but it's about the quality. And that's, especially when it's art and you're creative. Yeah, same thing with your content. One, you yeah, do. same thing with content. Like, if I'm going out busting out a new video every day, like, I'm going to get tired of that. Like, I need time to be able to focus and be able to, you know, be creative and not just throw something together to get it done. Same with writing a song, like you're saying. Like, it's quality over quantity is always going to win. You also have to have that, you know, that drive but no, like I said earlier, that fine line of when it's time to turn it up, when it's time to smell the roses and enjoy the moment. I think for me, the thing that I learned was just follow the inspiration. Like if you're a creative minded person, like I am, like you are, like you are, like, like your inspiration will strike. I get so, people ask me all the time, like, you know, like, where did this song come from? Where'd you get this song idea? Where do song ideas come from in general? And the answer is out of the clear blue sky literally the most random things can spark inspiration for a song or um a a a t-shirt or a, a show idea or you know a musical piece or something it comes so randomly that there's no possible way that i could say like oh it's just this you know like obviously life experience like will nudge 
inspiration, but like if you just follow that inspiration and let it come to you and be paying attention, that's the thing. It's like you have to be paying attention enough to catch it when it when it comes to you. And also like for me at least, when I'm looking for something to write about, I never find anything good. You know, if I'm looking for something to post on social media, I never find anything good. If I'm looking for a, a show to play or if I'm looking for, you know, something to go viral or whatever, it's never good. Oh, trust me. I know. I know all about that. Yeah. We're seeing, seeing what's, what's going on with our, with, with Trey too. You yeah. Know? Like we thought the song was just a campfire song and boom. And I'm sure you've had experiences like that too. I mean, you look back like the times out with, with the four wheel drive, it was just a show with you and your friends and out of the blue, you know, like absolutely. And with your, and with your songs and stuff. So you were talking about inspiration and t-shirts, new merch line, bro. New merch. That's Making right. Making country sad again, emo country. What's that all about? Cause I freaking dig it. All right. So I, I'm, I'm one of those guys that just never outgrew his emo face. Um, you know, my two, my two biggest influences and my two favorite styles of music to this day are country, obviously. And, um, that like anything from like pop punk or like alt rock or anything from like the, like, you know, the grunge period on, like, I love that rock and roll stuff and I love all kinds of music, but those are definitely my two sweet spots. I love the emo stuff. I love music that makes you feel something. Um, nostalgia, sadness, happiness, love, hate, whatever. Like I love music that that to me is the reason that I started playing music was like I heard something that made me feel something inside of me. What was what do you remember what song that was? I think the first memory of music I ever have, at least to my recollection, was Here in the Real World by Alan Jackson. Um AJ's my guy. Like I've got his lyrics tattooed on my arm. Yeah. Um oh, wow. I, I love Alan Jackson. I was five years old. This this is a different time in the world, so you know. Uh, I'm standing on the front seat of my granddad's truck with my hands on the dash as he's just kind of like gingerly driving down the road. Different time in the world. And um, even as young as I was, I remember hearing that song kick in. And I was a big like I loved like westerns as a kid. Like I had like this little cowboy hat and a little like pony that you pony stick that you'd like ride around or whatever. And the first line of that song, Cowboys Don't Cry and Heroes Don't Die, was the thing that like hooked me even at five years old. I was like, ooh, they're singing about cowboys. And so I was listening. And that was the first thing that I remember being like, I like music. You know, like this is, a, I like this song. I enjoy this song. And then from there, like my dad tells the story about how like I've, I literally always like, I, I was not a kid that would allow silence in the car. I was... You know, I'd get in the car and I'd go, Dad, play this. Daddy, play this song. Dad, play the radio. Turn the radio on, whatever. I never wanted it to be quiet. I always wanted music to be playing. Um, and I'm still kind of that way, to be honest with you. Um, but so the the making country sad thing kind of came, again, just out of thin air. Like, I released an EP last year uh, that had four songs on it that were, like, pretty emo like they were like they were sad songs or nostalgic songs they were songs that were meant to put you in your feels and so just being funny because I also because I write a ton of sad stuff like like if I write five songs a week four of them are going to be sad um and one of them definitely somebody dies in it you know like it's just like that's just how it is like that's I I write those songs more naturally than love songs or anything else and so, and they're just fun. Those are the things that I grew up listening to. Merle Haggard and Alan Jackson and Eric Church and all those dudes that just wrote incredible 
songs that would rip your heart out. That's what I wanted to do when I moved to town. Anyway, so I released this EP last year, and I start hashtagging make country music sad again as a joke, just trying to be aware of, like, you know, like all I sing is sad stuff. And slowly I started to see people, like, comment it back and hashtag it back and they were hashtagging it on their posts and then when the show started coming back I started getting people hollering it at me from the crowd like that we just did a weekend with y'all in Greenville and there were people yelling make country sad again at me in the crowd as I was going in the songs and it was so cool and so we've got this new single that is coming out on July 23rd that we actually just announced this morning uh it's available for uh pre-save uh on all of my socials, you'll be able to find it. But um, I've got this song called "Memories" that we're releasing, and the it's it's a uh, it's it's a song about you know that memory of that girl or that guy or that whoever that just will not leave you alone. It just sticks with you. Uh, the hook of the song is sometimes you make memories and sometimes memories make you. Damn. And you know when I had that song, I knew it was something special. I knew I wanted it to be like its own release like its own thing i just felt like there was a way to i don't know add to that backstory and when people started catching on to the to the making country sad again thing it just felt like a natural blend because it's a it's it's a sad it's a sad song it is um but it's also like something that everybody has gone through you know it's it's a it's it's an emotion that i literally everybody has felt and so, yeah, making country sad again, um, making country music sad again, I should say, is uh, those T-shirts are available right now on my website, jordanrager.com. Um, and uh, we also have emo country, which is yes. just, that's just my um, attempt to like create my own genre for myself, really, is because like I said, those are, the, my, those are my two jams. Those are my two well, kinds of music that I love more than anything else. Well, I can think of other artists within country music that are like that, so it's, it could be a genre. Like, you're onto something with this emo country thing, with this sad boy country thing. I mean, like, Wales has got the Muscadine shirt on. I, was, I feel like they got, they got emo all over that's, them. That's what they do. A guy like Rustin Kelly uh, out in Texas doing his thing, you know? Like, mm-hmm. there's people that, that do that, that, that have that, and it's important to feel that kind of emotion because country music, really, it's three chords in the truth and sometimes the truth is sad and it it's, rips it rips your freaking heart out absolutely man my my some of my favorite songs that i've ever heard in my life are the saddest things like you know there's a reason that whiskey lullaby was like a multi-week number one there's a reason that he stopped loving her today is considered the greatest country song of all time yeah like people like sad stuff and for the longest time especially when i first started coming to nashville i was repressing that so much in my own writing i was like because this was in the time frame of the bro movement, you know. It was it was the, the 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 songs about taking a girl out to the field in a truck with a beer and all that. That's what was working, which is all the happy stuff. And yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not here to shit on that. Yeah. Because I've written so many of those songs and I've had those songs cut. I've released those songs and I love those songs. There's a time and place for those songs. But that's not what I naturally write. So everything that I was writing was starting to sound very, very redundant and regurgitated and like I had heard it before. And finally, I got to the point where I was just like, my favorite songs that I'm writing in Nashville with these people and the songs that are getting the most traction are sad songs. 
uh, they're they're drinking songs, they're leaving songs, they're heartbreak songs. Um, they're 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 real raw emotion songs. Why don't I just start leaning into that? And when I started doing that, I started writing stuff like Colorblind, and I started writing stuff like The Wrong Ones and Habits and Hearts and um, Somebody's Summer and Want Me to Want You and Memories that we're going to release at the end of this month. And that was when it all clicked for me. I remember being at the Full Wheel Drive show that we did, Eddie's Attic. This is 2018. I had just written Colorblind, and I was sound checking with that song. And Travis walked up to me after soundcheck, and he was like, dude, I had played like three or four songs during soundcheck, and they were all brand new. Travis hadn't heard them yet. And Colorblind was one of them. And um, Travis walked up to me, and he just goes, dude, I know you've been grounded for a while, but like this new stuff that you've been working on, this is it. This is you. This well, is it. This this is this is the Jordan Rager sound. Like you found what you want, like what's really you. Absolutely. You know? And, you know, everybody says find your sound, find your lane, find your thing, and, and do it on purpose. That is so much easier said than done because, you know, I feel like I've said this a hundred times in this in, in this during this podcast, but like I was 20 when I moved to Nashville. I didn't know anything about anything when I moved here. And when you were young, like shit was it? You were thrown up. You were on a tour. Mm-hmm. Like like you were kind of just just going. Like you didn't really have the time to find yourself. I went straight from driving myself to pizza joints and Mexican restaurants, playing acoustic shows in my truck, to I'm on a bus with Justin Moore and I'm playing. You know, in front of thousands of people at arena shows um it literally happened that fast for me um it doesn't happen like that by the way for anybody else yeah. um i found that out because when i moved to town i was like i was that cocky ass kid that was like here i am i know you guys have been waiting on me to get here and i'm finally here to save country music and that is not the case man you get here and that shit gets humbled right out of you really 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 fast um Adam Doliak said something to me one time that was amazing, and it's, it's stuck with me since then. Uh, the, di- the biggest difference between baseball and music is that if you are the most talented guy playing baseball, you will succeed. If you hit 300 with 30 home runs and 100 RBIs a year, you will be successful playing baseball. If you're the most talented artist, singer, writer, musician in Nashville, it doesn't mean anything. You, It will get you in the door but you also have to be lucky. You have to know a certain number of people. Like you have to meet people. You have to. We talked about networking earlier. Like it's a it's it's a crapshoot, and it is. You know, it's you got to you have to be able to grind and be willing to grind. But also, again, it's important that I keep saying this: grind the right way. Stop and smell the roses every now and then. Allow inspiration to come to you. Don't burn yourself out trying to be you know, the the next big thing. Just be you. Eric Church was never trying to be the next big thing. Alan Jackson was never trying to be the next big thing. They weren't catching on to trends. They, Luke Combs wasn't trying to ride a trend. Luke Combs was trying to sing country songs about shit he knew about. And he ended up starting a trend. And Luke Combs <laughs> is the biggest country star in the world right now. Yeah. And people told Luke Combs to go home because he was too fat and too ugly and didn't have good enough songs. And look at where he is now, man. Yeah. Like, it, if, you're, if you're listening to this and you've been told no, 
like by a lot of people in Nashville, join the club, man. We've all been we I I've been here seven and a half years and I still get told no every single day. Like it it comes with the territory. You have got to have really thick skin to be in this town and do this for a living. That's not just songwriters, and you guys know this too. Content creators, tour managers, uh, managers in general, no matter what side of the industry you're on, you will get told no, and you will get kicked in the teeth more than you will be taken care of. It is up to you to stand back up and go, I'm still going to do it. Yeah. I feel, I, like, I feel like that is the one thing that where baseball is not similar to music. That part of baseball is in the fact that, hey, you're going to fail seven times out of ten, and still you might be going the right direction, but you have to be used to dealing with failure and dealing with no's. And just because of, you know one setback is not going to ruin your whole career, you just got to learn from it and grow and, hey, how can I improve to get you know this next gig or this next opportunity, you know? Yeah, now talk about baseball. The, you you are a big baseball, baseball fan. guy over your, here. Your, fan, your family too, I know, are big baseball fans. Cubs fans, right? Yeah, we watch a little ball. Um, I uh, my dad's from Chicago originally. Okay, so my my days as a kid were I would get home from school, you know, two three in the afternoon, and I would watch the last couple of innings of the Cubs game on WGN with my dad, and then at night the Braves game would be on TBS at like seven seven ten or whatever. So like. My childhood was, I grew up watching both of those teams. Um, and so I grew up loving both of those teams. And now, in that day, fun teams to watch. Those absolutely. Those 2000s mm-hmm. Braves, you have the Chipper era, you've got Andrew Jones in there, you've got the, the, the ending of the 90s and the beginning of the 2000s, and then you have the Cubs. I mean, and Sammy Sosa. I mean, you got the yeah, home run, yeah. uh, the, the, the home run race with McGuire was in 98. Yeah. Yeah, you, like, you got Moises Alou on that team, you got Mark Pryor, you got Kerry Wood. I mean, you got. That, those are those are fun teams to watch, man. That's good. that's a fun baseball childhood right there. Yep, Derek Lee was my guy growing up. I loved Derek Lee, first baseman for the Cubs from like 2005 yeah. to 2010 or something like that. But uh, um, yeah, man, I, I you know I played ball when I was younger. Never anything more than like you know like rec and like very light, 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 light you know serious league stuff. But like never like travel ball or anything. Where were you playing in the field? Second base. Okay. Yeah, I was um I was I was small, quick, I could dive, I could move pretty pretty good. I was quick with my feet, um, but I didn't have a great arm. Like I wanted to play third base like Chipper Jones my entire life, but like my arm was shit. I, I think, couldn't I couldn't throw across the I think a lot of kids in Georgia wanted to play third base and be, be like Chipper, wear that number ten. Absolutely. Absolutely. I wore number thirteen because nobody uh nobody wanted it. And so it was always available. Because yeah. that was my thing was like, you know, like if I'm gonna play ball, like I wanna wear like the same number. I don't want to have to like you know trade numbers out or anything. And nobody wanted thirteen because it's unlucky or whatever. So yeah. Well, I can, I can probably say I won number ten because of Chipper Jones all through high school. Well, that was the thing too was everybody like getting number ten on a rec team <laughs> in Georgia in the late nineties and early two thousands was impossible. I think at one point they actually like just said like nobody's number ten. You can't be number ten. I feel that. Too many I, remember, I would like get in fights with kids because I was like, I'm gonna be number ten. Yeah, and that was number number two for in New York. You know, Derek Jeter or number number forty two, Mariano Rivera. Like we we had our our, our numbers too and stuff. Uh, what do you think of Nashville getting a baseball team? Hopefully, I hope it happens, man. I think this would be a great city for it. Um, you know, I, I I will say I hope that doesn't mean that we lose the sounds um, because I love going to those games. But that's just a you know selfish personal note for me, um, man. I think 
I think it would be great if they do it. I think it needs to be like you know the team probably needs to go to the American League just so they don't have to directly compete with the Braves. See, because I'll, see, I'm hoping the rumor that I've heard, and I don't know if this is fully confirmed or not. Baltimore's contract apparently with the like the city of Baltimore and the Orioles contract is going to be up like relatively soon from what I've heard and I've been to Camden Yards a bunch for Yankees Orioles games mm-hmm. not a, it's mostly a Yankee fan crowd for well, the Red Sox are mostly a Boston crowd and it would mean like I mean if an AL East the only thing is though it's a, there's a time difference I don't know if an AL East team would come to Nashville where it's like central like for me it makes sense for a central team to be here but it also makes sense for an American League team because you know Braves fans aren't going to switch over yeah it's well and that's the thing that they they keep running into I think you know because they've been talking about doing a team in Nashville for a couple of years but now. now there's like the steps to do it there's an there's like a mock-up of the stadium there's guys like like Combs and like other big figures within town that are behind this yeah uh Dave Dombrowski who was the GM of the Red Sox and the Tigers, um, like huge, huge name in the front office of baseball. Uh, I think he's involved yes. in getting the team here he, now. He gets shit done. Yeah. yeah. So that was the point when I was like, oh, this may actually happen. Because it's like, it's nice to hear, you know, Luke and like, uh, you know, Jason and like Adam LaRoche and like all these people are like advocating for it. But like when you get a guy that is known as a front office guy saying, like like on the you know he's saying like we're we're going to get baseball in Nashville that's when you start to go like this might actually happen you know yeah. which would be so cool man like i obviously being a huge baseball fan that would be the 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 coolest thing in the world for me getting to see a ball game in Nashville and it's a growing city like it's 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 only getting bigger and more populated yeah. it's only got more people it, in it so if a baseball team were to come and they were to be successful in the fall you could have at one time a Titans game, you could have a playoff baseball game, and you could have an early season Predators game. And I don't know when soccer goes. I think soccer's going on now. But you could have all three of those going on at one time. And you could have, say, Georgia or Bama or somebody coming up to play Vanderbilt all in one weekend. Imagine the traffic. Dude, imagine. It's the- already bad enough right yeah. now. Imagine that. <laughs> I'm just thinking. Maybe man. this isn't a good idea after all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I guess it depends where they put the stadium and all that stuff. And NASCAR's back. Yeah, and NASCAR's back, which was which was huge. I mean, they did it out in Lebanon, and they're talking about possibly doing something with the fairgrounds, which you know, is it's the cool. old dirt track. I live I live not far from from the from the track. I can actually like hear the 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 track from my house. That's got to be cool. Like, it was like when it oh it's it's when it gets real quiet. Like, it's got to be, like, no cars driving by, no TV on or nothing. But I was sitting on my back porch uh, whatever weekend we were Na- – NASCAR was in uh, – Father's Day weekend when yeah. NASCAR was in, in Nashville. And uh, I'm sitting on my back porch just, like, watching my dog run around, and it got to a really quiet point in the day. And I just – in the distance, I just hear – I was like, I think that's – there's no way that's the track. It's, like, 15 minutes or, like, 10 minutes from here. There's no way. And sure enough, it was – Anyway, fun fact about my house. <laughs> no, dude, no, that's it. That makes the hair on the back of a redneck stand up. You Absolutely. Know? I, I, I gets, I you gets, ever seen a NASCAR race? Yes. Yeah, so I, when I was in radio, uh, which I wanted to talk about, um, on my first time meeting you technically was over the phone. Was when I was doing radio mm-hmm. back back in the back in the day, bro. When I was doing college radio and I was drinking and shit was shit was different. But I used to cover. Um, so I used to cover NASCAR races in New Jersey. Like I was, I worked for a. Worked with my buddy Big Bob, and uh, everybody in radio's got a freaking name. Like, all right, Big Bob, I had the Mountain Man, all these people, big guys around me. Absolutely. And um, Big Bob was a NASCAR guy, so we would go, we'd cover um, Dover, Bristol, 
uh, Pocono. So, like, I've been to some NASCAR races. I'm not the biggest NASCAR fan. I am on Sundays when I hang out with my buddy Dawson Edwards because he is the NASCAR guy. I've seen him put holes in furniture at his house. I've seen him just shotgun natural lights and get crazy. But yeah, the NAS- true NASCAR fan. Oh, he is. Yeah, NASCAR's NASCAR's a lot of fun. Did you grow up a big NASCAR guy? My dad actually worked at Atlanta Motor Speedway. Oh no shit! Yeah, oh, wow. when I was uh, when I was like real young, I don't remember this. Um, and uh, I, I'm going to tell this story, but nobody's going to believe me because there's no evidence of it. But it, it is a really cool thing that it's. I swear to God, it's true. So my dad worked at Atlanta Motor Speedway. He was the head of catering. He was in charge of making sure that. All the drivers, the crew members, the teams, like everything was fed. Very important guys. A guy who did media catering, very important. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And and dad loved his job because, you know, he loves NASCAR just in general, but also just being around it. And my dad's a, a, a caretaker. That's just how he is. So, like, he really loved that job. But I was really young. Like, I think I was, like, less than one when he eventually left that job. But there are pictures or there were pictures we there was a flood at my parents house and most of them got destroyed unfortunately but um there are pictures of like dale senior and mark martin and dale jarrett and uh bobby labani like holding me like my dad's holding me as like an infant like next to these guys yeah in pit lane like (laughs) that's insane and it's the coolest thing like i grew up like um i used to get made fun of a lot because i was a gordon fan because my dad always said that of all the guys that he got to meet jeff gordon was like the nicest like just just genuinely like you wouldn't assume he was famous at all and that number 24 dupont car was fun to root for absolutely that's a a sexy car absolutely And um, so I, I grew up. I grew up a Gordon fan. If I had to pick a favorite, and everybody was, you know, everybody hated Jeff Gordon back in the day for some reason, you know. But uh, yeah, man, I I grew up. I love NASCAR. Um, I, I it's uh, it's 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 cars going really fast in a circle for three hours. I don't know how anybody couldn't enjoy it. Do you ever go to one of those like backwoods dirt tracks? Absolutely. Do you ever play a show at one of those backwoods dirt tracks? I you feel know, like that's a thing. That you, you know, do. I have. Come on, like. <laughs> It's dude. The um, we we did a um, we did a show one time. I don't remember exactly where this was. It was somewhere in uh, Mississippi, I think, either Mississippi or Arkansas. Um, anyway, we we did this show on a dirt track, and nobody sprayed the dirt on the track. Like oh, they just didn't no. bother wetting it, so it just became a dust bowl throughout the entire show so like the entire show like people are like watching it with like you know their hats over their faces and like you know i'm i'm literally spitting dirt out in between like songs you know like it was like that that grainy feeling in your mouth all the time like when when there's a lot of dust in the air whatever it was uh that was a that was not a fun one i I didn't enjoy that i can't remember i'm glad i don't remember where that was i don't want to call anybody out but that was a that was a really shitty show have you done the mud bog circuit absolutely yeah we're we're, i've done i've been out in the mud bog circuit now and see enjoy and experience the mud bog which from new york i didn't really know what they were i knew a little bit just from being in the country music culture but that their mud bogs are pretty wild oh dude they're fun this was uh this definitely happened in mississippi I, i remember this one so we had one of those runs where we get in the van in nashville and we drive all night to the to the show we have no idea what we're driving into all i know is that i've been booked for this much money to play at this time in this city that's literally it the guy was like we're throwing a party so it's a private party so it's a private event this guy's hired us to come to 
what we think is his house, but he's convinced us that there's like there's like stage and production, like everything, like you know, like you advance shows. So yeah. like this wasn't just like some you know Joe Blow sending me like in like a Facebook DM asking me for a private gig. This dude went through all the proper channels. The problem was was there was no address for the venue. And so we literally just drive into this city in lower Mississippi, and we're just like, I guess we're just going to like, oh, I know what happened. He goes, I'll meet you at the mailbox. He goes, just let me know. He's like, the, the address I gave you will bring you directly to the mailbox, and then you're going to follow me back the rest of the way. So we pull into this guy's <laughs> driveway at like 7.30 in the morning after driving all night. And we go through this like these trees there's this like gravel way and then there's these trees and then when the trees open up it's just it looks like four football fields of just mud and rednecks and trucks it's 7 30 in the morning this party is rare and like ripping ready to go and the first thing i did was i got we we parked the van and the band starts like loading all the gear out and I was like there was this big monster truck gravedigger looking thing that had a flatbed on the back of it with seats on it and I said I'm getting on that thing I'll see y'all later I'll, I'll, I'll help unload in a little bit but I'm, I, I want to ride that and we just rode around in the mud all day and then at night uh, the stage that they had was like it was a professional stage it was a great show and like everybody backed up like their ATVs and trucks yeah. and shit. Yeah, like they'll, yeah, they'll do that. In yeah. a circle around the stage, and wa- that's how they watch the show. I was like, this is the greatest show I've ever played. <laughs> this is the shit that you like dream about doing when you're like a high school kid saying, I want to sing country music. This is the show that I imagined for myself one day. Yeah. You know? Those are so much fun. Yeah, and you play certain covers, and that crowd is into it, and then they learn your original shit, and they're just they're just in it. See, I've sold merch out of, I think this was also in Mississippi, out of the back of a pickup truck because the ground was so muddy and there was no tent or nothing. I sold I sold um, sold merch out of the bed of a pickup truck one time in uh, at a mud bog. They're pretty rowdy. They they get they get wild, man. It's um and man country. Nothing will stop country fans from enjoying country music. Yeah, they it, will create a show. Did it surprise you when you went up north and um, experienced country fans in like the northeast and like out west? And because you've done a lot of festivals and like been all around different places, did it surprise you a lot coming from Georgia? Yeah, I mean, I I grew up in a small town and only ever left to go see family in Illinois. So you know, the only two places I had ever seen in my entire life were that that wasn't like the beach was you know Georgia and the whatever town my family in Illinois lives in. So when I went on radio tour and even doing, I mean, hell, even doing the Justin tour that I was on, we did mostly Midwestern stuff, which that looks a lot like where I'm from. It's just real flat, you know, like it was, it was the same kind of people. So going up to the Northeast was, was definitely a culture shock for me because I mean, the biggest thing that I noticed is that, like, just the way that people engage is differently. Yeah. Like, it's very different. Like, you know, naturally, I hold the door open for the person walking in behind me, and that person will say, like, thanks, man, and I'll say, have a good one, and then we move on with our lives. Uh, I've learned my very first day in Boston that, like, that's just not how people interact up there yeah i'm like holding the door open for this this dude and he just like shoves past me and didn't say anything and i'm just standing there like you know just like okay well have a good one sir and i get back in the car my radio rep was like yeah they don't do that here (laughs) (laughs) um 
So it was uh, in, in, in another funny Boston story. I was at a Red Sox, my first Red Sox game ever. I'm standing there, or I'm sitting in the seats uh, talking to my buddy that, that came to the show with me, or came to the game with me, and there's this guy behind us with the thickest Massachusetts accent. It was like 10 times past that. It was like <laughs> real thick. It almost sounded fake. It was so thick. Um, and so, and obviously I talk like I talk. And the guy that I was with is also from Georgia, so he talks like me. And so we're standing, we're sitting there, and we're talking about this game, and we're talking about the show that we're going to play the next day and all this kind of stuff. And this dude, like, leans down in between both of us, like, in, like right here on our shoulders, and goes, this is going to be a really bad Boston accent, so bear with me. But he goes, he goes, hey, where you guys from? You talk funny. And we just, like, we're like, who... Who talks funny? You talk funny. We don't talk funny. What's going like? What is going on here? You know. So it's um. But then it was funny because we got to talking to the guy, and he's a massive country music fan, and he ended up coming to the show that we played the next night at the House of Blues. And he probably follows you on Facebook and Instagram. Probably he might, he might be listening to this shit right now. Probably still does, man. <laughs> it's 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 a it's crazy. It's you you meet people. I love that's that's probably one of my favorite things about what I do, is. I love traveling. I love being somewhere different all the time. Um, the thrill of waking up in a new city and sometimes not even knowing what city you're in because you've been out for so long, you've lost track. Like I, that, that keeps me going. I love doing that. Um, uh, another thing that I realized I took for granted last year when, when it got taken away from me. Um, but you, I love getting to go to new places and meet new people and hear about their stories and like, why do you listen to country music in in Massachusetts? You know, why do you, you know, why are you from Jersey, but you love going to mud bogs? You know, like it's just, it's just good fun, man. Like there, there's good people that like good music everywhere is what I've learned. And is there there a place you you haven't been yet that you really want to go? Oh, several. Um, I mean... I've seen, I'm trying to think of the number. I think I'm at 44 states at this point. Yeah. I've almost got all 50. Yeah, I'll be at 41 after this month, so yeah. I'm right there with, I'm close. I mean, Alaska, I haven't made it up to Alaska, but that's very high on my list. In fact, uh, uh, my friend Lainey Wilson just posted some uh, pictures of like some shows she was doing up there, and they yeah. looked ridiculous. They, insane. Like, yeah. I, it's so pretty. I want to go there so bad. Um, I mean... And then, like, I haven't been to Hawaii. I'd love to see that at some point, obviously. I want to knock all 50 states off. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's plenty of places I want to go see. Uh, you mean, like, in the world or just, like, like just in the United we, States? Well, we could say in the, in the world it's endless. But for here in the United like, have you been to, like, Montana? Have you been to, like... I have been to Montana. Wyoming. Have you been to, like, Idaho? Wyoming doesn't exist. It's not real. Um... <laughs> um I hope Ian Munzing heard that one. He's going to love that joke. Uh, <laughs> he's from Wyoming. Um, yeah. I've been, so let's see, actually, uh, let's see, I did do Montana. That is uh, Montana, Utah, like, you know, Colorado, like, all that in there is some of the prettiest terrain I've ever seen. Like, for a, for a Georgia boy that grew up with, like, you know, like Stone Mountain and Kennesaw Mountain was, like, the biggest mountain that you saw Dude, you get out there to those Rocky Mountains, it is, it's it's breathtaking. And to think that's the same country that we live in, like it's the same it just one. shows how big the U.S. is. And then you drive like one state south, and it looks like Mars. 
It's just desert everywhere. It's so cool. Like, I love getting to see new places and, like, you know, the the Pacific Northwest, like Seattle and Oregon and all those places like that. I love it up there, too, because it just looks like a different world. Um, San Francisco is a place that I've been that I would go a hundred times. I loved San Francisco. had a great time in San Francisco the first time I went. Um, Chicago. Oh, yeah. Chicago's a go-to. Like, that's 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 a city that, like, I just always 100% of the time have fun hanging yeah, out Yeah, that's in. one of my favorite country music cities to go to. Joe's on Weed Street. And is they one of my favorite love venues. country music they up do. there. There's a reason they do the smoke out there. Like, Ed Worm and all the guys that are up there that book, that, that book a lot of the Chicago stuff. Like, that that city. And it's number one for a lot of people streaming. And they haven't even been to Chicago. And Chicago's like a top streaming city for a lot of guys and girls that I know. And they've never even played there. I think yep. Chicago is my number two. I think it's like my second highest stream uh, streaming city. Yeah, it's crazy, yeah. and and like it's 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 an awesome awesome spot, man. Well, dude, I mean, this has been this has been a lot of fun. You got anything else you want to tell some people about? Let's see. I did the new music. Things coming. Uh, Make country sad again. The t-shirts are available right now. JordanRager dot com. Um, uh, we're back on the road. Uh, we got more shows coming. Uh, so you know, it, I'll be I'll be on the road with. Can I say the one? Yeah. Shows. Yeah, sure. Confirmed. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, I I like how I swung the mic over. Like, like, can't <laughs> um, uh, you can tell I'm tired. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, the next the next time I'm playing is uh, I've got one in July. I'm trying to think of where it's at. Um, it's in it's in Dallas. Oh hell yeah, dude. <laughs> um. The anthem. Where is this one? Uh, uh, July 16th, I'm playing in Dallas, Texas. Um, Where at? And that's a great question. It's not on my calendar for some reason, but I'll uh, I'll find that out, and we can uh, we can uh, I'll post it on socials. Um, All right, cool. August 12th, I'm in Savannah, Georgia, with Craig Campbell. Uh, that'll be a fun one, and then Georgia boys. August twenty seventh and twenty eighth, I'm back on the road with you guys. Hell yeah, going dude. out with the TL crew, Dirty Myrtle and uh, and Raleigh, baby. It's That's right, be fun. man. Mur- uh, Dirty Myrtle boat boathouse. I've I've had many a time there, and I'm sure our guys have had times in Myrtle. They've never played the boathouse. I've been to the boathouse once. It was an indoor show, so it was a little little different. But um, I'm looking forward to going out. There it's too. crazy, man. I feel like I've done like we've done like a handful of these shows now, and I feel like I keep running into like. Venues that I've played a ton that y'all haven't played yet, well, which well, is crazy. Well, it's because we've only, I mean, this time last year, the, the guys were, were sleeping in a van and, and playing tin roofs, you know? That's true. Playing whatever tin roofs were open yeah. this time last year. And yeah. Playing playing frat gigs and playing the Moe's barbecues and the the uh, the uh, copper tops and the random little spots like Galette's and places like that. Um, Statesboro. Oh, Blue yeah. Room. Absolutely, Which place you're very familiar with. Absolutely, dude. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it when it was Rum Runners. Oh yeah, dude. No, you you're OG, OG man. Well, are you cool playing a song for us? Absolutely. Probably. Yeah. Which one you want to play? Um, should I play something that's like released or something, or maybe one that's coming? Why don't we do one that's coming and one that's not, uh, one that's uh, one that's uh, been out for a while that the folks are gonna know? Sounds good to me. I'm gonna grab the guitar. Awesome, man. Well, dude, Wales, that was a fun one, bro. That happy was great. Yeah, I'm that was ha- awesome. I'm man. happy to have you aboard, buddy. Um, hope we can do more of these if you want to yeah, make this a, more of a regular thing, dude. You know, obviously, uh, it's always good being with the in the round crew, and you know, I, you're a pro at this, Matt, and it's good to kind of see you do the magic, and uh, you know, 
provide my insight when I can, you know? Hell yeah, dude. I appreciate you being here. Um, make sure you guys check out Jordan Rager. Um, look him up on the socials. Get them t-shirts. You know, I'm going to be getting one. Uh, they've uh, made country music sad again. Emo country. Check it all out. Um, for us, too, uh, Whale Tail Media, make sure you follow along. Um, been a sponsor, now hanging out as a co-host. Pretty freaking cool. We love it. Um, make sure you check out the sponsors as well. Trailside CBD, promo code ITR, 20% off. Saxman Studios, love all those guys. And make sure you check out the writer's rounds. They're a lot of fun. We got a big one coming tomorrow, Whale Tail Media Takeover. It's going to be freaking awesome. Super excited. Uh, but make sure you guys leave five stars as well. Five stars only on the review Give us a rating. Uh, do all that shit. And uh, we will see you next time. We're going to let our boy Jordan Rager take us out. Y'all been listening to the In The Round podcast. Sometimes you make memories Like hurricanes in a hoodat cup Bourbon Street where the sun comes up Her name on a new tattoo Sometimes you make memories Like 38 in sugar white sand Walking in the waves, hills in her hand Her eyes are Gulf Coast blue Sometimes you make memories Sometimes memories make you Drink too much and call when you shouldn't Make that cab take the long way home Spend all night on your back porch Looking at a long gone miss You text on your phone Move on and forget it in a minute But you can't Ain't a damn thing you can do Sometimes you make memories Sometimes memories make you Sometimes you make memories Like two jet of taillights heading out of town Standing in the street when the rain comes down Your heart getting broken too Sometimes you make memories Sometimes memories make you drink too much and call when you shouldn't Make that cab take the long way home Spend all night on your back porch looking at a long gone miss You text on your phone, move on and forget it in a minute But you can't, ain't a damn thing you can do Sometimes you make memories Sometimes memories make you You go to a bar where she might be drinking Put that old love song on repeat When she don't walk in and go off the deep end Drive yourself crazy wondering where she might be Drink too much and call when you shouldn't Make that cab take the long way home Spend all night on your back porch Looking at a long gone miss You text on your phone Move on and forget it in a minute But you can't, ain't a damn thing you can do Sometimes you make memories Sometimes memories make you Sometimes memories make you
You thought you'd get married back when you were 22 The off and ons, the done your owns, yeah you've had a few Girl, I'm sorry for the hell they put you through But then again, it's thanks to them I ended up with you So, here's to the ones that led you right into my arms The lonely nights, the crazy guys that broke your heart when I think about them, I just thank my lucky stars. Let's pour some drinks and make them strong ones and raise them up. Here's to the wrong ones. I took my share of wrong turns, led me to a few dead ends. Thought I'd fell in love one time until she up and called it quits. I was missing her like hell and praying she'd come back again. But looking at you now, girl, I thank God she never did. So here's to the ones that led me right into your arms. The crazy girls wrecked my world and broke my heart When I think about them, I just thank my lucky stars Let's pour some drinks and make them strong ones And raise them up, here's to the wrong ones To all my whiskey nights and all the tears you cried, all the hurting, it was worth the wrongs to finally get one right. To get one right. When I think about them, I just thank my lucky stars. Cause whatever they're doing now And wherever they are Pour a couple drinks And make them strong ones And raise them up Here's to the wrong ones Here's to the wrong ones